The Ewan Grant Podcast, the Limestone Coast Triple M. G'day, it's Ewan. Welcome to the Ewan Grant Podcast and welcome to everyone joining me on the Listener app. Today's podcast is all about the wash-up from the election on the weekend and I have got some great people to talk to. Member for Mayor Gambia, Troy Bell, is going to join me for a chat. Member for McKillop, Nick McBride will drop by too. And I have found someone who likes elections just as much as I do. Josh Liner and I are going to talk about the wash-up of the election and what it means for the Limestone Coast. If that's not enough, I've got Got some information on the Wollanda Recreation and Convention Centre. Barb Sinofskis from Council is going to join me for a chat. We'll catch up with her towards the end of the podcast. It's time to get things underway talking election 2022 and a bloke who was pulling down core flutes yesterday. He joins me on the line, Troy Bell, member for Mount Gambia. Good morning. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, listeners. Hey, mate, did you walk into the election for 2022 thinking that you would see the results that we saw on Saturday night? No, definitely not. It's uh, the the statewide swing has really surprised me. What what normally happens? You, you pick up a feel if uh, the, the the voting public are waiting with baseball bats to uh, to clobber the government of the day. Um, what surprised everybody is that everyone thought there might be a little swing against the Liberal Party, uh, but not a baseball swat, uh, baseball bat um, swing at them. Mm. Um, uh, th- this is an absolute drubbing. Like uh, you know, uh, Labor on track to win 28 seats. You, you need 24 to form government. Um, obviously, I was hoping that uh, both sides got to about 23, um, but uh, that hasn't hasn't been the case. But I really want to assure listeners that uh, one thing that we we made sure is that we got all our commitments in writing. So uh, Labor put 100, over $100 million on the table for us. I made sure that was in writing. Um, Peter Malinaus, the new Premier, rang me Saturday night about 10 o'clock and he said, I, I just want to confirm um, two things that I said to you. One, I'll be in your electorate within 72 hours of being sworn in. And two, the $100 million um, plus uh, is just a starting point. I want to grow the southeast. I want to make sure I work uh, with me as independent um, to uh, really see our, our region prosper. So, uh, listen, it's exciting times. Um, I'm really, really excited by uh, um, what's already on the table, but there's a lot more to do, Ewan. You know, we've, we've got um, you know, tourism opportunities. We, we've got housing needs that we, we've got to address. So uh, there'll be fruitful discussions Tuesday or Wednesday, um, this week and the other things that we'll be continuing to fight for. But um, Peter Malinas is a very different leader than Stephen Marshall. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really um, quite uh, excited and, uh, and hopeful that uh, we, we'll see uh, genuine interest and genuine investment in our region. Which can only be a good thing, mate. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I went to the election... Um, uh, literally goading the Liberal Party into making promises, of, you know, behind closed doors and even publicly. I was saying, well, you know, if you if you want my support, uh, you're going to have to put something on the table. And 2.7 million just wasn't going to cut it um, before an election. Uh, and don't think you're going to come down here afterwards and, and offer 100 million because you're only doing that because you, you need uh, the support. But uh, they, they refused to put anything on the table. Um, and uh, I was a little, I was very disappointed that, and I was actually a little bit worried that uh, uh, the libs might get in with it in their own right. 
Um, but that hasn't happened. Um, as an independent, I get to work with uh, both sides, and um, yeah, let's uh, let, let's hold them to account and make sure they deliver on um, what the commitments are. Quick question, because I'd like your thoughts on it. Why do you mm. think the libs were thumped so dramatically? Do you think it was because of the way they handled COVID? Because I mean, they didn't do a bad job in South Australia, really. That that's true. There's two or three things um, that I'd attribute that. One is internal. Uh, they stopped listening to their um, MPs. Uh, Marshall had an inner click of uh, city people that uh, he listened to. And I've publicly said, um, and I said this um, to him in person, that he was the greatest disappointment uh, of my political career so far um, because he ignored the regions, he stopped listening, became city-centric. Mm. Um, but from a community point of view, uh, I, I really think the turning point was the opening of the borders um, in November um, without preparing, you know, the, the, the health network for that. Um, now, mate, know, Limestone were, Coast women's footy results a, a reflected ladder positions. Explain it for me. Thankful to uh, dismay that uh, everyone had been double vaccinated and yet we still had all these restrictions. Um, and um, I, I just picked up a sense, more from Adelaide, not, not locally. We, we're living with border issues all the time, mm. but more from Adelaide that... Um, um, that was a factor, and I think that's why we're seeing a swing in Adelaide against him. Troy, it's going to be a, an interesting uh, couple of weeks as uh, as Peter Malinowskis gets into government. It'll be interesting mm. to see what he does in regards to COVID restrictions, and uh, well, one hopes that there's some great news in the next couple of days as uh, as Labor hopefully uh, begins to deliver on the promises of more than a hundred million dollars investment into the Lumstone Coast. Absolutely, uh, yes. It's it, you know it's still tricky to uh, navigate that path forward, but uh, at least we've got the commitment. Um, now we've got to work out uh, how it gets rolled out, and uh, and not just rolled out, but rolled out in the most um, efficient way, so there's no wastage. Uh, we get the results that we want, and uh, uh, our community, you know, sees genuine interest and and genuine investment. And, uh, uh, I'm hoping to be a part of that, and. Uh, Looking forward to delivering for our community. Now, mate, just very quickly, voting is still being counted at the moment. Um, how are you going to go, do you think, uh, in the wash-up? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, the Electoral Commission's already... Um, oh, sorry. Uh, the ABC have already called the uh, the result. Um, it's not over until the last vote. But, uh, um, and I, I think about 50% uh, still needs to be counted, so... There is a long way to go, but uh, you know we have a, um, a lead at the moment, and um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm expecting the the trend to continue. It normally does, uh, but you know I've been around politics long enough now. You you, you never count your chickens until they hatch, so um, you know we'll we'll see how it ends up. Mate, we'll catch up over the next couple of days. You have a great day today, and thanks for joining us on the radio. Thank you, Ewan. You have a great day. Troy Bell talking election 22 from independent to liberal. It's time to head up the road. Member for MacKillop, Nick McBride, joins me for a chat. G'day, Nick. Good morning, Ewan. Mate, congratulations, first of all. 
Oh, thank you very much. Look, a uh, bittersweet congratulations. I, I was there trying to celebrate on uh, Saturday night with the election result for McKillop, and I can tell you the overlying arching sort of issue for me was the absolute landslide towards Labor and the fact that we not only just did we lose government, we lost it by, by a landslide or annihilation, uh, and it was a bittersweet pill. And I think it probably took me 24 hours just to even digest that to even put a smile on my face properly mm. uh, to realise that where we've landed and where we're going now. Nick, any idea why there was such a swing to Labor in the election? Oh, look, I, I, I put it down to a number of reasons. Um, I, I was very critical of my government very early in the piece in my electoral uh, career, election career back in 2018, where you know I, I saw the way that the government constructed itself. Uh, I, I had an article article, I said, well, we've just seen the Liberal government being in opposition for 16 years, and, and now I know why. Uh, look, and, and in general, you know, I've had a bit of a tumultuous type of a rocky road with my government and, mm. and have, uh, called them out when I've seen that they, I didn't think they were looking after our region as well as they could, or perhaps looking after what I would say the, the Liberal backbone uh, core supporters. Uh, and, and then on the back of this pandemic you and I think this is where we probably have let ourselves down badly if if we'd have been a labor government looking after this pandemic like we see in Queensland sorry yeah Queensland Victoria and New and Western Australia mm. there's almost an expectation that the labor party will fall in behind the bureaucracy the bureaucracy of the, the state will support the the labor government and 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 so forth and it's almost an expectation on the flip side we've got a, a liberal martial government in South Australia that is meant to look after the working class, the business class, the investor class, the Liberal membership, and they're all busy people and they've gone through this pandemic. They're appreciative of the way that the Marshall government and the bureaucracy, be it Health SA, Nicholas Spiria and Grant Stevens, SAPOL, have looked after the state for most of this period. But as we've rolled these restrictions back and, and we're trying to work our way out the other side of this pandemic, I think people have become very, very frustrated at this pace, all the lack of leadership coming out of this pandemic. And I think that's probably what's really come back to haunt us the most. Nick, now that you find yourself in opposition, how do you be effective for the the constituents in, in the area of MacKillop? So I, I have two choices, Ewan. I, I can be the, the Liberal opposition member for MacKillop in, a, in an opposition government up there in Adelaide, throw as many stones at Labor, be disruptive, be you know roguish, uh, and and just make it look like I'm a warrior, and that that's one. Of, and, and I'll be honest, that's not the way I'm going to go, and I don't even think I could do that well. The other way I could do it is to say that uh, look, Labor are now in government. Uh, they've advocated fifty odd million dollars to the Limestone Coast in health and other promises. Mm. I'm going to look forward to these promises rolling out. I want to work with this government to make sure these promises roll out well, uh, are well constructed, well meaning, uh, and can actually get the best bang for our dollar. You know, it's eight million dollars into the Narracourt Hospital. It's one and a half million dollars towards the Keith Hospital over the next seven years. Uh, you know, that hospital was a private hospital. What's the point of having a, a, a private hospital if it can't treat public patients? Mm. These sorts of things. So I'll, I want to actually work with the Labor government to make sure that they do understand our region. Uh, Limestone Coast, MacKillop is important. I hopefully work with Troy Bell on this. We have a great relationship down there with Mount Gambier and MacKillop uh, and have done for four years of working through issues. So we can work together and sort of calling the new Labor government to account. Uh, he 
he says he le- he's going to represent the regions um, like never before. He understands that they're very, very important. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm going to be honest, I'm looking forward to seeing what that represents and what that means. Now, Nick, I've got to ask you a very serious question. We, of course, saw Stephen Marshall um, uh, declare that he is no longer going to be the leader of the Liberal Party. Will you put your hand up? I am going to throw my hand into the ring, Ewan. I think that the... Liberal Party uh, needs to make sure that it looks like a Liberal Party, uh, looks after its core base, looks under its core value, uh, core values. Uh, and I look, if I just sit back quietly and watch it all go, the world go by and, and not partake in this, then I'd be probably irresponsible from my duty uh, for, and let all those down that know that I do have strong convictions uh, for the Liberal type belief and have been a Liberal member for all my life, nearly, as, as much as you can be. Mm. Uh, so, look, I, I'm going to put my hat in the ring and, and give Give it a go, and look. I'll be honest. I'm I'm dubious whether I'll I'll, I'll get the support of uh, everyone there. But this is not something that uh, you just do once and walk away. You you keep chipping away. You make sure whoever they do elect as as leader is responsible, uh, representing the people we need to, and and the values that we should stand for. And I think we actually do need to make sure that we overhaul the Liberal Party so it becomes a government that uh, if when it does get back into government, responsible, active, and 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 stands for what it's meant to. Hey, Nick, it has been a an interesting week in the world of politics. We will catch up over the course of the next couple of weeks. We'll talk more about what's going on in MacKillop. Once again, congratulations. Great win for you. Good luck with the leadership tussle. As always, a pleasure. Thank you, Dylan. Lowestoft Coasters, we are talking Election 22 and the fallout from the election over the weekend. And uh, Election 22, for election nerds like me, it was a sensational time. Big shout out to a mate of mine, David, by the way, who is also an election nerd. I have found another person who loves elections as much as I do. Josh Leiter is on the line. Josh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Mate, I am sensational. Josh, I don't know about you, but I was glued to my television set on Saturday evening as voting got underway or at least got started to be counted. Uh, what a result. Yeah, I found it quite exciting. Um, and I've never never really had that before with an election where I sat and I've watched it like I'm watching a football game. Um, it was just, it was incredible to watch the numbers come in and the surprises regarding, you know, certain seats. And um, it was just it was just incredible. It was just the, the atmosphere was, was great. Obviously, Peter Malinowskis has now formed government. Uh, we are going to see the, the ramifications of that during the course of the week. But one of the really cool things, uh, Troy Bell spoke to me yesterday about it. Um, Peter Malinowskis is going to be in the city in the next couple of days. Yeah, so uh, apparently his promise was within 72 hours of being elected, he'd be in Mount Gambia to basically begin the rollout of the commitments that he's made to the region. So, um, yeah, as you said, uh, Troy Bell is obviously very happy about this and uh, looking forward to, to working with the Premier and um, actually spoke recently about the, the magnitude of this $100 million investment to Mount Gambia, which is, um, you know, regardless of where you sit politically, that's a lot of money for Mount Gambia, which is a very good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on a side note, Peter is a uh, is an incredible bloke. He's uh, he's such a nice guy, and he's he's made time for the regions. Yeah, look, all my experiences with him, I've had the opportunity to to talk with him on a number of occasions. He's always just 
really great to chat to. Uh, and if you feel like you're you're talking to someone who who's genuinely interested in the place, like he's he's not from here, um, so you can understand his passion lies with you know where he's from. And uh, but he's he's really he spent a lot of time here. He's clearly looked at what Mount Gambier needs. Um, as we're aware, Troy Bell put out his future Mount Gambier plan, which really detailed a, a lot of the the areas that we need assistance with and a lot of that seems to have been covered with what's been promised we've just got to hopefully wait and see and hope that it all rolls out as expected now mate not only uh has the election thrown up some interesting uh things from from labor's point of view but uh, also from a liberal point of view we've got nick mcbride who looks set to hold his seat for the uh electorate of mckillop and he is going to put his hand up to see if he can lead the party yeah, that's it. So Nick McBride looks to be very comfortably re-elected in the seat of McKillop, uh, but he has indicated that he'll put his hand up for the leadership of the Liberal Party after uh, the former Premier Stephen Marshall's resignation. So this is this is big for the Limestone Coast if we have someone who is from here and has you know represented our region for a while now, you know, representing us on a bigger stage. I think that's you know, again, doesn't matter where you sit politically, it's great to have people uh, from the region who know the region in positions where they can, you know, really influence things down here. And Josh, what about Lucy Hood? Again, another great thing. So this is, uh, for those that don't know, Lucy Hood was the Labor candidate for Adelaide, uh, her brother Ben Hood being the Liberal candidate for Mount Gambier, which a lot of people thought was incredible. There was a, there was a talking point with a lot of uh, political talking with the uh, liberal uh, with the sorry the state election. Um, but yeah, so she's won the seat of Adelaide, and which is really good. She's beaten uh, Liberal candidate Rachel Sanderson, who's held the seat since 2010. And yeah, you know, she's she's spoken uh, quite highly of growing up in regional areas and just the influence that had on her growing up in Narrocourt and. Yeah, again, just just good to see that representation in Adelaide. Josh, my big question is, what did people say online as the uh, as the election unfolded? And uh, I suppose we uh, we worked out that we had a brand new government. Look, when there, there's certain topics that online conversation is very different to well, most of the time it's very different to real life conversation. <laughs> um, the the online conversation around this, there's a lot of. It doesn't matter if it's Labor or Liberal, they're all the same. You know, this isn't good for us either way. Um, you know, talking about Labor, you know, what about the forest? They sold the forest, they did this to health. And, uh, you know, you're just going to get that. Like, really, like, majority of comments were negative either one way or another. And then last night, like, every now and then you see just one person put their hand up and say, hold on a second, maybe this is good. So there was a comment I saw last night, which is like, you know, everybody... Stop your whinging. Uh, we've got a premier who's just just been elected. Uh, you know, his feet haven't hit the ground, and he's already talking about coming to Mount Gambia. Let's just wait and see. And, and it's the first time that that's happened in probably a hundred years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is, you know, we. I think um, it's something that I've seen a lot, and it is people obviously because I spend a lot of time online. But there's a lot of people that will complain and complain and complain that politicians do not acknowledge that we exist you know the state ends at the toll gate no one does he even know where we are he probably thinks it's mount barker and then <laughs> when when we get politicians who actually come here and we complain about that as well and when we get someone who's you know the, the leader of the opposition and and now the premier who's visiting time and time again and there's still just so much negativity about it and my thinking is you can't have it both ways either you're going to complain that we don't get acknowledged or you're going to complain whenever we do get acknowledged. You can't do both because there's not logical. So 
My thinking is let's just be happy that we seem to have been acknowledged and it looks like we're getting investment here and let's just hope that everything goes well. Couldn't agree more, Josh. It's going to be an interesting 12 months to four years and you and I are going to talk about all of it. Sounds great. Thanks, mate. Have a great week. Awesome. Catch it. Josh Leiter joining me this morning talking all about the election and I promise we are done with election talk. Right now it is time to find out what is happening at the Wollanda Convention and Recreation Centre. Bob Sinofskis from the Mount Gambier City Council joins me for a chat. Bob, g'day. Good morning, Ewan. How are you? I am good, Bob. The building yes. is massive. <laughs> I know, it's huge. It's, um, yeah, no, it's very big. Um, how are we going construction-wise? Any idea when we will see Wollanda open to the public? Okay, well, that's the uh, the burning question. Uh, we were projecting that it would be an autumn opening and that is not going to happen at the moment. However, um, in all honesty, we can't give you a start date or an opening date just yet. Uh, we're working really hard to be able to secure what that's going to be, but there have been a number of challenges presented to us with COVID um, particularly uh, that have had a compounding effect with being able to keep um, uh, skills on site. Uh, and as an example, the restrictions when it comes to your close contact, it doesn't just take out one or two people, it'll take out a team of people. Mm. Uh, so the, uh, the team on site have been working around 16 to 20% down on, um, on skills and traits due to that. Uh, so that does have an impact. So we're really hoping that moving forward with um, some relaxation of the restrictions, uh, that that will start to pick up. We're looking at getting to lock-up stage around the end of April, um, and uh, that in itself, uh, with being able to get uh, more consistency with having uh, skills on site, the make-up time, we're expecting things will uh, pick up a lot from there. Mm. Um, yeah. So, Bob, with the the changes to the the opening date, has that pushed out the budget in any way, or are we still on budget for the Wallanda Convention Centre? Okay, so we've got um, a budget, and in our budget there is a contingency, and for all intents and purposes at the moment, we are still within budget, um, and there are a number of things clearly that we need to work through that whole process. Uh, but we are paying very close attention to that. Um, yeah, but uh, but things are still looking good. Nice. Now, I've got to ask the question because I do. I, I literally take a drive each and every weekend when I'm going to pick up the papers. I take a bit of a sticky beak about what's going on. I am fascinated by the building progress. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the guys on site will think I'm a bit of a stalker. Uh, but I, what is going to go in this building? What's going in the bill? Everything. Oh, no, not quite. <laughs> it's um, big enough um, to have everything. <laughs> well, we've got uh, in the aquatic area, we have the uh, splash pad, which will have, you know, your water fountains and, you know, the play area, uh, if you like. We'll have the uh, learn to swim pool. Uh, we'll have the 25 metre pool. Uh, we've got the seating at the moment uh, next to the 25 metre pool is being constructed, the tiered seating, so that we can have um, all of the uh, regional competitions. We'll have our local swim clubs. We'll have just our community in general being able to use uh, the aquatic offering. Uh, 12 months of the year, Ewan, how cool will that be? Absolutely um, amazing. Cannot wait right. for it. 
I know. No more watching the kids get out of the pool being blue uh, from uh, their <laughs> lessons. But anyway, um, yeah, so we've got the program pool. Uh, also, so that's the indoor uh, offering there in the aquatics. The 50 metre pool, um, it opens us up to the regional and state level competitions um, and also gives us uh, a lot more uh, aquatic offering during those, those warmer months as well. We've got the courts, we've got two banks of three courts uh, and we will have the wooden sprung floor on the eastern end of courts uh, and then we've got the western end which has the, the hardest surface on them but that's where we can have a live music events, we can have our expos, we can have conferences, we can have any number of things um, which will be really quite active. We've got the youth area that uh, is down the uh, western end of the, uh, the facility and uh, that's all been specced with heaps of data points so that we can start looking at uh, esports and things like that that uh, that the youth are really interested in and mm. they're wanting to be in the CBD, they're wanting to have access to uh, you know, a vibrant facility, so we're expecting a lot of uh, engagement there. We have the community rooms uh, so that uh, people can have somewhere to come and meet all at one spot. Uh, there's the fitness areas upstairs, uh, we're not sure exactly what's going to be um, coming out of those as in terms of a programmed offering. Uh, but that will get worked on. We've got the multifunction room upstairs and um, that is glassed on both the north and the south side so that you can either be watching the swimming or you can be watching, uh, say, basketball or pioneers for their home games. Uh, there's the tiered seating as well so we can look at corporate boxes. So we're really expecting all of these spaces to be quite active um, in a number of ways and we're also expecting uh, there'll be things we haven't thought of yet and some of those are coming through to us at the moment. So um, there's a lot in there but it'll be activated by the, um, by the community which uh, is looking very positive. And at the moment with, uh, with all the construction work going on it's not going to be long before we do get to see uh, the Willunder Convention Centre open to the public and uh, this, this massive space being used by so many people within our community. Absolutely, and beyond. The interest that um, this has drawn is uh, is incredible, and it's going to be really good for Mount Gambier. It actually will be a game changer, and um, and the whole community will benefit. Barb, I cannot wait till we're talking more about the Willunder Convention Centre. Thank you so much for joining us this morning to give us a sneak peek of what's going on at the moment. We'll talk soon. No worries. Take care, everyone. That's it for today's podcast. I'll be back Friday morning with everything Limestone Coast. Don't forget to catch up with everything happening across the Limestone Coast. Make sure you look out for the Mount Gambier Local Guide on Listener. You can catch up with me live on the radio, 6am weekday mornings on the Limestone Coast, 963 Triple M.